eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. What is going on, everybody? Jack McCauley. Luke Munger, the two interns, I guess now, wait, this is the, this is the intern emeritus podcast now. Yeah. Officially gra- graduated from Kim Grinnell's university and uh, m- moving on in life. But yeah, we're back. Fall camp is kicking off and underway. So we thought you'd, we'd bring you a little bit of a podcast. Yeah. Excited. You know, graduated, like you said, the school of hard knocks, learned under the tutelage of Scott, Kim and Chris and excited that uh, I'm sure as you all are to talk some Husky football. Uh, as of recording this, we're exactly a month away from the home opener of the DeBoer era. Uh, so like Jack mentioned, he's a fresh UW grad. So Jack, why don't you give a little life update for for the listeners out there? Yeah, so graduated from UW. Weird to think how fast it went by, honestly. Yeah. Um, you, don't re- you don't realize how fast it went by until it actually happened. It's kind of like Andy Bernard said in the office. Um I don't know how to realize you're in the good old days until you actually left them. Uh, that's that's really what it, that's really what it felt like. But I'm out of college now, working in the tech industry in Bellevue, so life's good right now. What about you there, Lukey? Yeah, you know, so I'm down in Phoenix now with my wife. She's a second year med student at Midwestern University in Glendale, Arizona. Uh, I've worked for the same company since graduating, doing tech recruiting. Uh, you know. Just, Living the dream, dude. Yeah, you hear in that. Seattle at times. Ladies who are listening, he's cuffed, so you lay off, get out of the DMs. Exactly. Right? Yeah, right? I got to stop posting those thirst traps. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyways, uh, you know, you can uh, – even when we receive the degree, though, uh, the passion for Husky football does not go away, as I'm sure many of these listeners know. So, uh, like I mentioned – we're going into the first season of the DeBoer era. Uh, excitement is high on Montlake. Uh, I know at least speaking for myself and I'm sure for many others out there. Uh, so, Jack, how would you, I guess, going into this fall camp, I, I think overarching question is what would you say would be a successful, like what are the criteria for a successful opening DeBoer campaign? Well, it's hard to go down from what we saw last year. So in terms of success, in my opinion, I think the roster is loaded with talent. I think you could look at each position group and find a guy who has the ability to pr- produce at, you know, honorable mention, all Pac-12 honor almost, essentially, um, maybe discounting a couple. But overall, this this team is still insanely talented. Chris Peterson has left a lot of gold, per se, on this roster. So I think this team has the capability to 
to go eight and four, I think that's a good, I think that's not only a good successful season. I think they could do better than that, but I think they're in that ballpark. And I certainly think they should be bowl eligible if we think DeBoer measures up to what we think he can do, especially on the offensive end. Absolutely. Washington finished 10th in the Pac-12 in both total yards and points. Um, I mean, I think obviously with a hire like Kalen DeBoer, one of the first things you're looking at is how quickly will life be breathed into this offense. I don't know if this is too loose of a criteria. Uh, I I feel bad kind of using a hard-to-define term, but I think uh, a certain element of fun, I think, is kind of what I'm looking for this year. Oh, certainly. Um, you know what I mean? I mean, I don't know. It's it's hard to predict what will happen uh, to a team that was four and eight last year. Like you said, I think there's a lot of talent out there, but it takes time uh, for new culture to set in. Uh, obviously, Rome wasn't built in a day, and all of those things. So I, I think a certain element of you know, will the Huskies be competitive? Like how many games that they plan will be decided by one or two possessions? Uh, will they be able to? finish in the top half, maybe in scoring in the Pac-12. Those are some things I'll look at when I kind of, I think I'm looking back on this season. I think a lot of those things you hit on right there were really important, especially talking about culture. But I will say from everything I've heard within the locker room and just kind of around the program, the culture is already there. The culture has arrived. It took a little bit to shift, but I think especially in that strength and conditioning offseason, especially in that winter with Coach with Coach Mack, I think it really started to set in. And these guys are bought into what DeBoer is doing. I think another positive to look at, not saying it's going to happen, but everywhere DeBoer has gone, he's not only won at a high level, but he's also turned programs around ridiculously fast. You look at what he did at Fresno State. He did the same thing at Indiana as an offensive coordinator. They came out of the woodwork for a year in the Big Ten to just put up points, and that was because of him. So you can't say it's going to happen because obviously becoming a head coach at a, I would say a top 25 football program traditionally is a a tough task to get that switch, but he has done it in the past. So there's no reason to think why he can't do it again. Definitely is a challenge, but I think especially when you talk about culture and just him having that success in the past, it it, it could be there. Yeah. No, it's interesting. And then just speaking of changes, uh, although this isn't necessarily a direct indicator of culture and things, uh, I think it's interesting and already visible change. I'm not sure if you saw or anyone out there saw the tweet that Fa Tui Tuatele posted last week of uh, how he's down 20 pounds from last season and just like the difference in sculpting and like how the team will look yeah. actually physically and things like that. I think will be interesting to see. It looks like, uh, I mean, obviously we all watched last year, very traditional, uh, like, kind of pack it in both sides of the ball. It'll be interesting to see uh, what things will look like to spread things out more on offense, play with speed on both sides of the ball, everything like that. Schematically, I know you guys have heard too from Scott, Chris, and uh, Kim. We haven't been able to t- watch too much in spring, so we haven't seen you know a ton of what they're doing. But one thing I think we all could say is they're going to spread the ball out a lot. It's not going to be – run, you know, power left, power right, kind of what Lake, Lake wanted to outmuscle you. He wanted to be bigger than you, and you can clearly see that from the pictures and results Coach McKeefrey's posting um, of these guys. They're losing a lot of weight. They're getting faster, stronger. Even Jackson Kirkland, he's a guy who gained 40 pounds, but he just said in pac Media Day, I feel I can move almost quicker, and I'm way stronger at this weight. You look at a guy mm-hmm. like Henry Bainavalu, lost a ton of weight, but his bench went up like crazy. So these guys are getting faster, stronger, little bit leaner, a little bit more athletic. And I think that's because they want to spread you out and not go at your teeth the entire game. 
Yeah. No, it's interesting. Also, I wanted to correct myself, misspoke. Washington was ninth in scoring offense, 10th in total offense, not 10th in both last year in the Pac-12. Um, but nevertheless, obviously a lot of things to look forward to. Uh, one thing that is always exciting to keep track of in the fall is position battles. I think everybody knows there's a marquee battle happening at the quarterback position. And I think that Chris, Scott, and Kim will uh, spill numerous words and ink and a number of other people around Husky Media will do the same over the next month on that battle, rightfully so. But Jack and I decided to look at three battles uh, that maybe are a little less uh, on the radar, more under the radar than the quarterback battle. Uh, So Jack, why don't you kick us off with our first one? Yeah, so running back room is something I'm sure everybody's been thinking about. You know, they added – it was pretty clear in the offseason that DeBoer and company, Lee Marks, they weren't too thrilled with what they had at running back. So they went out and got some guys, uh, Wayne Tupatala, um, the Virginia transfer. He's a sixth-year senior, former captain at Virginia. He's a real grinder, you know, red, he'll be a red zone guy. Uh, then you got Will Nixon. He's kind of like a hybrid. He was a he's a running back receiver type, but you could you could essentially put him in that group, I guess, as well as well as the receiver group. He's kind of all over the board. And then you got the New Mexico transfer, Aaron Dumas, who I personally think is going to be the focal point of this offense. And the reason why I say this is if you're going out and getting guys, you clearly have a different vision for the body types that you have. So you're going to go out and get what you want in your system and implement it. And I think that's what they're going to do with Dumas. He's going to be, he's going to be their guy, I think. And typically in a DeBoer offense too, you see one guy who has a boatload of the carries, and you know the rest. There's kind of filler work, filler guys in different positions, but you do have that lead, that lead horse. And I think that's yeah. going to be Dumas. Yeah, and it is interesting to say. I mean, obviously, it's funny, uh, Aaron Dumas. I should have had this number in front of me, but I know that he kind of lit up. Fresno State last year when they played. Uh, I think Fresno State won that game, but if I remember correctly, Dumas maybe had 150 total yards and a touchdown or two uh, playing with New Mexico State. So he's a guy who's already made a strong impression uh, on Kalen DeBoer. But you mentioned uh, Wayne uh, Tulapu or Papa. Oh. Yeah. And then, okay, thank you. Tala Papa. Tala Papa. I said yeah, Tala Papa. Papa. I was like, Alfonso Tupatala is who you're thinking of. No, but Tala <laughs> Papa. And then we also have uh, Richard Newton, our two running backs who have had 10 touchdown seasons plus in the past. Uh, and then Cameron Davis is a guy who I think has been on Washington's radar for a few years as well. Um, obviously, there are a number of different, uh, I guess, players with some level of pedigree or experience at the college level who at least will be giving it, I guess, their best for some PT this coming fall. Yeah, and I don't think we should discount either um, Richard Newton, Cam Davis, JV on Sunday even for that matter. Just guys who have been a part of the – you know, I I look at Cam Davis as a prime example. I don't think – I think he was playing too heavy last year at, at his weight. He looked a little slow. His cuts weren't all there. So I think him losing some weight, he's down about, what, 20 pounds, I believe. He's at like 198 instead of 220. And I think that's going to help him out a lot, be a little more quicker, more agile, still be that bigger back. And I'm not saying they won't be a part of this offense or even win the job for that matter. You never know until you get to camp. But though, I mean, those two, as of right now, if I had to make a prediction, I think would be behind Dumas just because kind of the same thing at quarterback with Penix. You don't go out and get a guy like that unless you feel like there needs to be some changes or you want to make him be the focal point of your offense. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, 
celebrity interviews, or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Now, moving on to the defensive side of the ball, another pretty marquee position battle uh, is in the linebacker room. Uh, This will be an interesting one. Inside, by the way, not outside. Yeah, inside. Well, and it's interesting that a board, uh, it looks like the the defense that Fresno State had last year is kind of this 4-2-5 with a kind of a hybrid safety linebacker called the Husky position. So I'm not sure if we're looping that in here. Uh, But kind of two traditional inside linebackers will be a part of this defense. And there have been reports, including on dogman.com, that it's looking likely like Edifuan Ulefosio will miss at least – or may, I guess, miss a chunk of time opening 2022. He obviously would have been a mainstay in this linebacker core. Uh, So, Jack, who are some of the, I guess, characters we'll be looking at, the players that may be a factor in this battle? Yeah, so when you look at the linebacker room, it's – there's a lot of big names, uh, obviously two big newcomers with Cam Bright, the Pitt grad transfer. Uh, he was an all-conference guy over there. And then Christopher Mole, who was an All-American a couple years ago down at USF uh, down in Florida. So those two. Then you got other guys who have been around the program for a little while now. Alfonso Tupatal, the Federal Way native. Daniel Hamuli, highly rated recruit. Carson Bruno, who really popped onto the scene last year. And then another interesting transfer in uh, DeMario King out of Los Alamitos or Cerritos College, my bad, in um, California there. And all of those guys really could have the potential to make an impact. And I think it's really going to show in fall camp who rises above and going to get those two starting spots. But right now it's a big group with a lot of different guys who have different skill sets. Yeah, it is really interesting, like you said, and kind of similar to this running back battle. There's people who have proven it outside of the program, and there's also people who have shown flashes inside. Uh, Daniel Hamuli is another one highly touted recruit out of high school uh, that, due to injury and just kind of depth chart shaking out, hasn't had a ton of opportunity to prove himself at UW. Carson Bruner, uh, I think really in the uh, COVID year Stanford game, uh, I guess kind of like made his presence known to Husky Nation. He's a guy that I'm excited to see what he can do with another year in the purple and gold. He obviously had the interception to start off the Oregon game, uh, which was an, a euphoric moment on an otherwise yep. terrible night. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm trying to think what else. But then like going out and adding Christopher Mall, like you said, and then Cam Bright is really the one that I think uh, stands out to me. His yeah. last two seasons at Pitt combined uh, had 14 tackles for loss. He's a dynamic playmaker, and I think a guy that could be a leader and kind of pick up, I guess, being the heartbeat of the defense in the absence of Edifuano Lafosio. So, like, who would you pick, I guess, right now? Two guys, big group, but two guys you think that would start day one. Yeah, gosh, that's a tough one. I mean, I think Edifuano, I mean, excuse me, Edifuano. Yeah, discounting Eddie, of course. Uh, Cam Bright would be one, like I mentioned. Uh, I think. Alfonso Tupatala is a guy who's gotten quite a bit of praise. It sounds like uh, just in recent kind of yep. comments from coaches, uh, he's gotten some playing time at the University of Washington, local kid. I, like This is a very much a guess, but he would have to be my second kind of thought. 
I think that's a really good um, prediction. Tupatalo, from what I've seen in practice and just what I've heard too, has looked like a stud. And yeah. he's done. Really, I know he. I know he uh, forced and recovered a fumble, um, returning it to the house for a touchdown in spring. So he's definitely got in a lot of tick. Um, I think Cam Bright. I would put him right there too. And I think second. I think I would have to put Carson Bruner. I don't know why. Just a gut prediction. Played a lot last year. Mm-hmm. Had a great season. Has been has shown that he can make tackles and really I think they want guys who can attack the ball. And I think nobody on the team would do it better than bright and Bruner. So I think those two right there are going to be your guys at inside linebacker while Eddie isn't there. When Eddie comes, I think it's going to be Eddie and bright. Love it. Awesome. Now moving back to the offensive side of the ball for one more position battle. Uh, Obviously it was big news when the Huskies were, confirmed that they would be able to have one more year of Jackson Kirkland. Uh, but the rest of the offensive line, number of returners, but a lot of talent to go around there. Jack, how, how do things shake out there for you? Yeah, when I look at the offensive line, I think I, I feel like I'm looking at a really complicated puzzle with a lot of pieces that are good, but and you can slide them in in a bunch of different – it's like a slide puzzle. You could put it here or there, but you don't know which one fits. And that's what I see with the offensive line. There's a bunch of guys who could play all over. I think the one stable piece that you have – you know, you got those corner pieces, and I think the corner that you have is is uh, center Corey Luciano. I think that's basically a lock. I think you could put him there, um, cement him in at center. But other than that, what are you going to do? Jackson Kirkland is obviously your best offensive lineman, but are you going to see him at left tackle where he's probably most impactful to the team, or are you going to see him at a guard where he probably is best at, him, at, at himself? That's probably, his go, that's probably his best position. I think Troy Faltanu – is another guy who's going to start. Coaches have been raving about him all spring and all fall. Um, all they've been nothing but amazing things to say about them. I think a healthy Henry Bainavalu, especially with the offensive offense uh, off season he's had. Excuse me, and then as well just being kind of a staple for the offensive line the last couple of years. I think those guys are starters. But outside of that, you know, there are a lot of big names who could step in. I think. Nate Kalepo is a sleeper. You could see Vic Kern has obviously been here starting for a while. Julius Bulow, huge mammoth of a guy. Bunch of different guys you could plug in at any time. And I think it could be one of those trial and error pieces where they have a bunch of different ideas and they are going to wait to see game action. Certainly. Well, and there's also guys like Mateo Mele who have started both at center and left tackle. Uh, he's a guy that reminds me in a way of uh, Andrew Kirkland, if you remember Andrew Kirkland. Oh, from I, I, I'm a big Andrew Kirkland guy. Early college, like a guy that is maybe kind of like an offensive line sixth or seventh man. You can play in a bunch of different spots. Uh, Mateo Mele was a highly recruited guy who will play in the interior uh, and may factor into some of these conversations. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of talent to go around. It'll be interesting to see kind of how things shape out there. Um I think, honestly, it's really weird to say, considering how many people have started uh, games for the University of Washington. Jack, am I off the mark in saying that basically the only two people that you'd be willing to bet your next paycheck on starting would be Corey Luciano and Jackson Kirkland? You know, I'm, I think I'm throwing in another bet, and I'm throwing in Troy Fautana to start, too. I'm, I'm going yeah. all in. I'm shoving. I'm shoving on this yeah. one. And I, I think Troy is a lock. Yeah, I mean, Troy Fautani is a guy that uh, I remember out of high school, obviously the staff at the time was super into. There's a reason they offered him, of course. He's unique. He's not necessarily like, uh, I guess, Jackson Kirkland or Roger Rosengarten height, but he's a guy I remember being praised for having long arms. He's athletic. Oh, yeah. 
and aggressive. Uh, all the kind of, I guess, superlatives you want to throw on an offensive line. And seeing him without the pads too, you can really just. I've been I've been fortunate enough to be around him um, a couple times. Shout out education major. Um, uh, just being able to, see, you know, he's a real long, lengthy. He's also just a grinder. He's got that offensive lineman selfless self selfless mentality about him. You can just see, and I think that the DeBoer they're looking for guys who are long, athletic, and aren't afraid to hit. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Okay, picture this: it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Well, we're going to move on to our next little segment here, which is we're each going to name a guy on each side of the ball that's maybe flying under the radar that we're excited to see this not only fall camp, but fall season. Uh, so, Jack, why don't you kick us off on the defensive side? Yeah, um, I think the guy that I'm going to throw out here is Braylon Trice on the edge. Uh, I think I think he's someone who is going to make a big impact immediately, especially in a position where the last couple seasons, Washington has been looking and struggling for answers. Outside of ZTF, really, they've been in 2020, they've been struggling for answers. That's it. Um, 2019, not a great year. Last year, obviously not a great year. But everything I've been hearing about Trice in fall camp, as well as Jackson Kirkland on Pac-12, when they had their, you know, when when they went down to LA for media day, Jackson Kirkland when asked who the toughest person to block was, Braylon Trice. DeBoer in practices been raving about him all the time. Uh, same thing with Coach Schmidt; they can't stop talking about him. And for that reason, I'm going to say him. He was. I remember Luke, you told me a couple years ago when Braylon was recruited that, oh, Braylon Trice, I've been told, just has that it factor. And I think that we're starting to see that now. And I think this is where he makes a big jump. Absolutely. Yeah. And uh, am I wrong? I need to go find this quote somewhere. But Akaika Malloy, obviously former outside linebackers coach at UW, uh, even mentioned that he thought that Braylon Trice yep. had uh, Joe Tryon-like pass rushing. No, will be better than Joe Tryon. Yeah. Which That's, is I guess something to say. I mean, Joe Tryon first round pick and has a Super Bowl ring. Uh, he does, right? I'm not. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Solid. Wait, does he? Now I'm second guessing myself. Now, I don't think he does. Wow. Wait, does he? Wasn't last year's rookie? Year? Oh, no, he, doesn't, like, he, doesn't, he doesn't. He doesn't. He doesn't. I'm positive he doesn't. Okay. Know. I'm gonna edit that out. <laughs> no, <it's fine. laughs> yeah. No, it's all good. But you know, uh, all that to say. Uh, Obviously, can expect some big things from Braylon Trice. Uh, I'm going to go with someone that uh, is a name that everybody's going to be familiar with, but he's found a new home on the defensive side of the ball, and that is MJ Ale. Uh, obviously, former offensive lineman. He's a 6'6, 340 space eater in the middle. Uh, I think it'll be interesting to see how he factors in. I think it's easy to forget him in the midst of maybe the names of that are maybe a little more established or had maybe some more clout coming out of high school recruitment-wise. You think of Jacob Bandis, Fatui Tuatele along the defensive line as a couple of examples. Of course, Tuli Latuli Nasim Noah. Uh, so MJ Ale is a guy that I'm super excited to see. Uh, obviously, 
was praised for the athleticism that he has at his size on the offensive side of the ball, and I'm excited to see how disruptive that can be on the defensive side. Yeah, I think always going to be a could be a monster. He's such a big body, and he can move so well for his size that, especially when you look at those third, second, and short situations, fourth and short. You know who's going to be stuffing the ball, right? You, you know who's going to be lining up to you. I'm not. I'm not. I couldn't block that. Yeah. Well, I don't think four of each of us could. <laughs> uh, yeah, sweet. Well, Jack, now on the offensive side of the ball, who's someone that's catching your eye? Yeah, I think Giles Jackson. I think it's an easy name to forget about. Yet when you when you say it, it's like, oh, that's an obvious one. But it's like, is it really? Because you got Jalen McMillan, Romo Dunsey, and even Polk. So Jalen Polk. So. Giles Jackson can often be lost in the mix of things, but I think with DeBoer, they love they love him, and they're going to use him everywhere in the backfields, in the slot, on jets, on sweeps, maybe downfield, screens, whatever it may be. I think he's one of those Swiss Army knives that they found, and they're really going to utilize him in space. Where last year he was on the outside, small guy on the outside, didn't really, you know, he he's more of a vertical downfield threat. You know, he's not as much of a polished route runner but once you get him in space that's where he shines and I think DeBoer and Co will really utilize that and I see Giles having a big big year especially even in the return game as well I was gonna say the return game is somewhere you saw Giles Jackson really turn it on towards the end of last year I remember specifically the Oregon game he flipped the field a few times with long returns gave the Huskies very positive field position (laughs) which sometimes wasn't capitalized on in that game 25% of the time wasn't capitalized (laughs) Uh, nevertheless, that was, I think, just a little taste of what maybe the Huskies can expect from a player like Giles Jackson, utilized, like you said, maybe in more creative ways, uh, finding ways to get him ball, I guess, on handoffs or behind the line of scrimmage with screens, uh, whatever it may be. So I'm excited to see that. On the offensive side for myself, uh, I picked Quentin Moore, uh, a former, uh, I guess, well, first of all, a local product from the Kenmore, Washington area. He was the number one Juco tight end uh, when he transferred into the University of Washington. It's interesting. Independence Community College didn't throw the ball a ton. So he didn't have a ton of, I guess, numbers to go along with, uh, I guess, his skill set at Independence. But he's a guy that's been, I guess, touted as a vertical threat. His father was a professional defensive back. So he has kind of that legacy of speed uh, and agility at the professional level. Uh, the Huskies obviously have big shoes to fill with Ryan Otten. Uh, excuse me, Kate Otten. Ryan Otten's now on the team. Kate Otten uh, now in the National Football League. Uh, so there's an opportunity. Obviously, Devin Culp is a guy who's established at that position. But I think Quentin Moore is a guy who's under the radar uh, that potentially could be a big play threat in maybe the form of like a Josh Perkins that the Huskies had back in the early 2010s. Oh, j- great pull from you. With I, Josh love, I love Josh Perkins. <laughs> I love Josh Perkins. Um, yeah. No, Quentin Moore. Yeah, I think for sure certainly has the highest upside of any tight end, and I don't think it's really close either. I think he's one of those guys where you give him a little bit of teaching, let him chew on it a little bit, and I think he could really develop and blossom into – an all Pac-12 tight end, I think that's the caliber he has uh, with his athleticism, speed, uh, get now blocking ability. I think he's going to be a um, more pro- potent blocker, so he could be used in a variety of different ways. But I think downfield, especially in the receiving game, is where these coaches are like, okay, they salivate when they see his film and watch him. So I right. think he's, for sure, I think that's a great pick. DeBorg 
could definitely use him in this offense, and he's most definitely a guy who could have a monster season. Yeah, for sure. Uh, great. Now, uh, lastly, we're going to wrap this up talking about each two newcomers that we're excited to see this fall. Uh, yeah, so Jack, I'll let you kick it off. Yeah, I'm going to start it off with Jordan Perryman. And from everything I have heard from Perryman uh, within this program is that this guy is locked down and he is next up at DBU. He's for sure, I, I think you could sharpie him in on the left or right side. He's going to be their number one corner, I think, and that he is very, very impressive, not only physically, but out in the football field. He's one of the, I think pound for pound, people are th- people think he's the strongest guy on the team. And quick, locks guys at the line of scrimmage. Go watch his UC Davis film if you have the chance because he is very, very special. And I don't know how he got passed up so much because he's going to be a nightmare for wide receivers, I think. Um, then going next, uh, I was going to pick Lance Holtzclaw. Maybe this is just because I've moved to Arizona now and I'm super excited to watch someone from my new home. Uh, but Lance Holtzclaw is a different kind of edge rusher, I'd say, than the Huskies have maybe had recently. Uh, you think of people like Joe Tryon or ZTF, 6'4", 260-plus, uh, big, strong, long guys. Lance Holtzclaw is uh, – he reminds me almost of Travis Feeney in a way, longer, skinnier, quick, those sorts of things. I'm excited to see what he's able to turn out. I don't necessarily – I mean, I don't know what that will look like this year. I mean, the Huskies have a lot of edge rushers. Uh, so it may very well be a year that he uh, is more kind of in the weight room and learning. Nevertheless, I think he's a guy who's going to have a productive career at UW when it's all said and done. Yeah, Colts Claw is a very interesting prospect for sure. I think he's one of those guys too who could – he's got an extremely high ceiling. He is very mm-hmm. athletic and can make plays. My next one, it's kind of a two-for-one. I'm going to cheat a little bit. Package deal. Parker Brothers out of Michigan. Uh, when these guys committed, I don't think anybody knew who they were. They were not recruited highly at all. But when you see the pictures of them, yeah, oh, my gosh, they are two mountains carved into the side of Husky Stadium. They are gigantic human beings. And I think that especially up front in the defensive line room where you don't know much, you know, you have, a, like you said, there's a lot of quantities not all not all known with Jacob Bandis, Fatui Tele, MJ Ale, so there's a lot of different guys there, and these two could have the opportunity to make a big difference. I think one of them for sure will step in and get a little bit of playing time this year. Not necessarily a ton, but I think these guys are physically ready to go out there and compete. Love it. Uh, Great. Now to wrap things up, uh, on my, I guess, second newcomer uh, is going to be Demario King, part of that linebacker group that could potentially get playing time. Uh, his junior college film is a murder reel, I like to say. He is an incredibly hard hitter. I'd love to see that translate to the Pac-12. Uh, he's a guy, whether it's in that Husky position or as one of the other inside linebackers, maybe in the mold of a former Washington State Coug, Dion Buchanan could be a guy who's really an enforcer, uh, who is, I guess, flexible to both play in coverage as well as down in the box as a run supporter. I, I'm really excited to see what he'll bring to the table this year for that. Excuse yeah, tomorrow's really interesting. Um, I think for a typical inside linebacker, he's a lot taller and lankier 
than most. And I think you could kind of going back, Travis Feeney vibes. I'm getting Travis Feeney vibes from him a little bit. He's so tall and lanky, moves well. And man, when that guy finds the ball, that that is first degree murder for sure. Uh, he just absolutely pile drives people to the ground. So he is very interesting for sure. And I think a very good pickup for Washington. I know they're battling ASU for his commit, but once Washington offered, it was his dream school, came home. Wonderful. Yeah, well, super excited for the first season of the DeBoer era. Uh, the first fall camp of the DeBoer era will be covered extensively on dogman.com. So you know where to get all the content. Uh, so Jack, I'll let you take this one away. Husky Nation, let's ride.